Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science on Black Hole Radio. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to tonight's edition of Not So Mad Science here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Once again, as always, thankful to Allah that we are here to share our voice, our time, and the news which I pray you will find beneficial as much as I have found it beneficial. Sadly, but one can you equate sadness with joy? And I believe there is a way that you can. The transition of our system, our friend, a believer, and as some of us look towards her as a giant in the world of the nation of Islam, sister, doctor, attorney, Ava Muhammad transitioned and returned to Allah. But in Islam, we do not speak in terms of the believers, the servants to God as dead. Sister Dr. Ava Muhammad, for me personally, was more than just a believer. She was more than just a great, great helper of the Honorable Mr. Louis Farrakhan. She was also my friend. Her husband, Brother Darius. It is my heartfelt wish that you and your family walk through this hard time in your lives. That the loss of her physical presence does not overwhelm the lasting legacy of hard, driven work as a defender of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and his work and mission of uplifting the nation of Islam, a work given to him by his father and our father, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Sister Abel was more than just a minister of the spirit of Islam and the word of Islam. 
understand that the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad from the Honorable Minister Guru Farrakhan. But she is. Her work, she poured her life energies into her work. And I think the most magnificent document of work that she poured her mind, body, spirit, and soul into with the study guides. Far too many of us say that this is the essence from the heart and spirit of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Yes, after a fashion it is. Because without the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, the study guide would not exist. But it is the essence of the dedicated work of Sister Ava Muhammad that brought the study guides into a package under the leadership and direction of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan that we have today. So, dear believers, as you go into your study guides to become a better Muslim, a greater believer, and a stronger supporter of the work of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in your drive to become one with Allah in yourself. Look upon Dr. Ava in the proper fashion because you are holding her heart in your hands in the study guide. Yes, she worked diligently on the provisional constitution to give us a legal body. What is that spirit of those study guides which transforms a mere believer into the committed, into the faithful? That is her heart that's guided by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So, because of this, I want to play a piece of music that I think is appropriate. And this is a piece of music I've played on here many a time. that I believe is more appropriate now than any other time. So, dear believers, dear people, I want you to make sure you're ready for the change that is going to come. Look upon this poem by Daniel Bailey. Knock, knock. Look beyond the language because we're no longer knocking on the door. We are here. Knock, knock. By that As a boy, I shared a game with my father. Played it every morning till I was three. 
he would knock, knock on my door, and I'd pretend to be asleep till he got right next to the bed. Then I would get up and jump into his arms. Good morning, Papa. And my Papa, he would tell me that he loved me. We shared a game, knock, knock, until that day when the knock never came. And my mama takes me on a ride past cornfields on this never-ending highway till we reach a place of high, rusty gates. A confused little boy I entered the building carried in my mama's arms, knock, knock. We reach a room of windows and brown faces. Behind one of the windows sits my father. I jump out of my mama's arms and run joyously towards my papa's, only to be confronted by this window. I knock, knock, trying to break through the glass, trying to get to my father. I knock, knock, as my mama pulls me away before my papa even says a word. And for years, he has never said a word. And so 25 years later, I write these words for the little boy in me who still awaits his papa's knock. Papa, come home, because I miss you. miss you waking me up in the morning and telling me you love me. Papa, come home because there's things I don't know, and I thought maybe you could teach me how to shave, how to dribble a ball, how to talk to a lady, how to walk like a man. Papa, come home because I decided a while back I want to be just like you, but I'm forgetting who you are. And 25 years later, a little boy cries, and so I write these words and try to heal and try to father myself, and I dream up a father who says the words my father did not, dear son. I'm sorry I never came home. For every lesson I failed to teach, hear these words. Shave in one direction with strong, deliberate strokes to avoid irritation. Dribble the page with the brilliance of your ballpoint pen. Walk like a god and your goddess will come to you. No longer will I be there to knock on your door, so you must learn to knock for yourself. Knock, knock down doors of racism and poverty that I could not. Knock, knock on doors of opportunity for the lost brilliance of the black men who crowd these cells. Knock, knock with diligence for the sake of your children. Knock, knock for me, for as long as you are free, these prison gates cannot contain my spirit. The best of me still lives in you. Not not with the knowledge that you are my son, but you are not my choices. Yes, we are our father's sons and daughters, but we are not their choices. For despite their absences, we are still here, still alive, still breathing, with the power to change this world, one little boy and girl at a time. Not not who's there? We are. <laughs> are no longer knocking at the door. The train is pulling into the station. It is now time for us to rise above our trivial ignorances, our feckless inadequacies and stupidities, our niggardly behavior, and the selfish mind. The isms of life, sexism and classism and all these other isms that keep us held back. It is now time for the unification of mind, body, and spirit. Knock, knock. No more. We are here and it's our time. Do not let this time pass us by. COVID. Wow. Just when we thought it couldn't get worse. Last week, during last week's show, I wanted to get back into some of the other events 
in the world of science that we need to know about so that they don't slip past us and slip by and we become victims of our ignorance and stupidity again. It seems COVID, oh, let's change that. It's not that it seems, it is. To quote the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, COVID is not a virus created by man. COVID is a pestilence from heaven. Is a pestilence that causes us to experience and go through chronic, and I'll say that again, chronic depression, chronic anxiety. These are conditions that at times can feel and be worse than death. In death, there is no pain, only the suffrage of the living who experience your loss due to the death of a life wasted on a disease. Well, since this is a pestilence from heaven, Allah knows what is best. Yes, we went through the loss of a star in heaven, a, a stalwart supporter, minister, an educator and helper. Honorable Minister Louis Farhan, Student Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad from Muhammad Mosque Number Seven in New York, Eastern Regional Minister. We lost him due to COVID. Does that make him someone who was being punished, or is there a lesson to have been learned? Allah knows best. Did we learn the lesson? But when one bright star goes into oblivion in heaven, ten new stars are born from the essence and spirit of the giant that is lost. Yes. Sister Ava is not here in the present. But how many lives of the sisterhood did she inspire to become giants in the cause of Islam and the spreading of truth? Well, since COVID is an immense punishment from God that is here to stay, as it morphs and become different variations of itself that cannot be accounted for. 
For if this were a disease manufactured by man, not the man, but a kind of man, then the mutations can be mitigated, monitored, and controlled. But this is beyond mankind's ability to manage and control its morphology, its ability to transmute into a different variation of itself. Seems COVID is a punishment from God that is here to stay. It is now augmented by the advent of monkeypox. So let's ride this wave of pestilence to God's revelation and see what else is going on. Because it is the news in the world of science that we can no longer ignore. In the city of Washington, or I should say the district, because it is not considered a city, Washington, D.C. mayor announces that no shots, no schools. She is stating that Washington, D.C. students will now have until January 3rd of 2023 to get vaccinated against COVID-19 if they want to attend to school. Now, we all know Fox News has a tendency to exaggerate and exacerbate the truth. However, in this instance, this news that they reported is overwhelmingly true. Washington, D.C. is pushing back the enforcement date of a COVID-19 vaccine policy, which requires that students over the age of 12 receive a coronavirus vaccine in order to participate in school. The Democratic mayor, Muriel Browser, assist us as you were. Her administration previously had a no-shot, no-school policy in place for the upcoming 2022 to 2023 school year at all schools within the district, meaning that students who are above the age of 12 would need to get the COVID-19 vaccine in order to attend school. Friday last week, the D.C. Superintendent of Education announced that the COVID-19 vaccine mandate would not be enforced until January 3rd, 2022. Me personally, I want to know why are you pushing it back? What resistance are you facing that requires you to push it back 
even though you're trying to force a policy down the throats of your citizenry, that the people are diametrically opposed to. This past Monday, the district shared with some school leaders updated guidance regarding the enforcement timeline of the immunization attendance policy for routine pediatric immunization and the COVID-19 vaccine during the 2022-23 school year. And I quote, to reduce the number of students who could be excluded from school at any one time and to align the schools and the LEAs to one unified notification and exclusion timeline. The district implementing staggered enforcement based on grade bands. To give you an idea of what this enforcement timeline policy looks like, during a child's routine, routine pediatric immunization, those children in pre-K through grade five, official notice will be sent to non-compliant students beginning September 7th of 2022, with the first date of exclusion from school for non-compliant to October 11th of 2022. Those students in grades 6 through 12 will receive a notice of noncompliance on October 3rd of 2022, and they will be excluded from school for noncompliance on November 4th of 2022. The general scope is that COVID-19 vaccination for students ages 12 and older, these would be high school students now specifically, November 21st of this year through January 3rd of next year. This announcement states that notices will be sent to the homes of students who are not in compliance with the COVID-19 vaccination requirements on November 3rd. The D.C. District Council passed legislation on December of 2021 last year requiring students in the district get vaccinated against COVID-19 before the beginning of the 2022 to 23 school year. In comments made to the Daily Signal newspaper on this past Thursday, Mayor Browser said that students who are not in compliance with the COVID-19 would not be offered remote learning either. 
And there's where I have issue with our dear system, Mayor Muriel Browser. She says, and I quote, we're not offering remote learning for children and families will need to comply with what is necessary to come to school. End quote. Those are her words. January 3rd will be the first date that children could be excluded from going to school due to the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Now, who is this an attack on? According to the data from the city or the District of Washington, 47% of black students between the ages of 12 to 15 and 42% between the ages of 16 to 17 aren't vaccinated against COVID-19. Well, one needs to ask, why is nearly half of the entire student population of the city not vaccinated against COVID? There's a reason they're not vaccinated. This is not mere chance that, oh, I forgot these families, these parents, these fathers and mothers made a decision, a choice, not to force that, in my words, that poison into the arms of their children. There's a choice made here. That choice needs to be addressed. The question is why? However, our dear sister, the mayor of the city, has not chosen to address the question of why. Well, almost half the student population of the entire district has not taken that poison into their system. Before the changes were made to the enforcement date of the mandate, students not in compliance with the policy, were to be given 20 days to get vaccinated. Mayor Browser's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for D.C. city workers was struck down by a D.C. Superior Court judge this past Thursday after a lawsuit from the D.C. Police Union according to the Fox 5 News there, challenged it. Can't make the workers take that poison. You're going to force it into the arms of the city's children. Judge Maurice A. Ross said in his ruling that Mayor Browser lacks legal authority to impose a vaccine mandate after announcing in August of last year, 2021, that all city employees will be required to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or get a medical or religious exemption. I think there's an issue 
in the political structure of the city that there is a force being applied outside the purview of her office to poison the population of predominantly black children in the Washington, D.C. district. This is not so mad science, and I'm your host for the Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network, coming to you live from the city of Detroit, Motown, and just because Barry Gordy took Motown to L.A. does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. Now, let's continue. Because I want to quote the words of the Office of the State Superintendent of Education. The Office of the State Superintendent of Education today reminded families of the importance of ensuring children receive all required immunizations ahead of the 2022 school year. And I quote, we want to make sure that all our students have everything they need for a healthy start to the school year. According to State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Christina Grant, she says again, and I quote, this means making sure children see their primary medical provider for a well-child visit and receive all needed vaccinations, or I should say immunizations. The key word here within legal language would be needed. COVID-19 has been around since just prior to 2019, going back as far as, let's say, August to September of 2018. And you have not trans, or should I, should I say, contracted COVID since its inception. You want me to take a vaccine that I don't need? District law requires students in all D.C. schools, and they're going to include all private, parochial, and independent schools to be fully compliant with required vaccinations to attend schools. And that these schools be private, parochial, and independent schools verify these immunization certifications for all students as part of enrollment and attendance. I'm going to remind us all of the words of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Start your own school. Take no federal, state, 
or local government money. And they are in no position to dictate what you do or do not do to educate your own children. As long as your instructional staff, your professional persons, are in requirements of all state certifications to say that they are qualified, you can teach who you want, when you want, where you want, and why you want. Beginning in 2022-23 school year, Student immunization requirements include the coronavirus vaccine. We need to stop right there and examine this word, vaccine. Because I'm going to share something a little bit later on in the program tonight where we must challenge this word, vaccine. By definition, a vaccine is a substance used to stimulate the production of antibodies and providing immunity, providing immunity. Let me say it one more time for those who can't hear. Providing immunity against one or several diseases prepared from the causative agent of a disease, its product, or a synthetic substitute treated to act as an antigen without inducing the disease. Therefore, a vaccine is a biological preparation that provides active acquired immunity to a particular infectious disease. A vaccine typically contains an agent that resembles a disease-causing microorganism and is often made from weakened or killed forms of the microbe, its toxins, or one of its surface proteins. That is what a vaccine is by definition. Well, as we have learned through many a program here on Not So Mad Science, what this M RNA substance called the COVID-19 vaccine and its associated boosters are not, by definition, a vaccine. It is, by active definition, gene therapy based off the content of a synthetic chemicalized protein gene therapy can I say it again gene 
therapy. Beginning in the 2022-23 school year, a student immunization requirement includes the coronavirus. I'm not going to say vaccine anymore. The coronavirus gene therapy for all students of an age for which there is a fully approved gene therapy by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, per the coronavirus immunization of school students and early childhood workers amendment act. 2021, and there goes the nail into the coffin. They changed the law in 2021 to force it down your throat. Come on, people. How much are you willing to endure of this strategically hazardous intellectual tactic known as shit. Strategically hazardous intellectual tactic to pump that poison into the veins of yourselves and your children. They changed the law. Kept the same game, just changed the rules. On July 8th of 2022, the FDA fully approved the COVID-19 gene therapy, calling it a vaccine, commonly known as the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine for individuals 12 to 15 years old, followed up by giving 12-year-olds the right to say yay or nay without informing the parents. Did I say that correctly? They don't have to tell mom and dad that when I got to school today, they stuck a needle in my arm, and now I got this big bruise. I feel sick. I got heart problems. I got kidney problems. I got breathing problems. None of which I had when I went to school, but when I came home, mom and dad, I'm in the hospital. I'm in that bed, and I got all these tubes running in and out of me, and you don't know why. Mom, dad, why didn't you protect me? Because the federal government said they didn't have to tell your parents. You can decide, 12-year-old. Really? The approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 genetic therapy called a vaccine for individuals 12 to 15 years old means that unless exempted, any student aged 12 to 15 at the start of the 2022-23 school year must receive this poison into their arms. The COVID-19 vaccine series or have started receiving the shot by September 16th of 2022. Oh, I'm getting angry. Unless exempted, any student 16 or older 
at the start of the 2022-23 school year must have received the primary COVID-19 vaccination series or be proceeding with their series by the start of the 2022 school year, 23 school year. So, according to Dr. Christina Grant, the best place for D.C. families to access immunization is at their primary medical provider. Dr. Christina Graham, shame on you. Shame on you. Because Dr. Christina Graham, like our poor mayor, the sister, does not know what she's doing. They're going along with programs that's being forced fed to them that is now being forced into the arms of your children. And our poor brothers and sisters who are not in an individual position to fight back because they may possibly lack the cognitive skill to argue their point at a school board meeting. They may lack the means to fight the legal battle to not put that poison into their children or they lack the theological or religious institution that have a right to say that that is not part of our belief system to support them in their fight against doing so, are going to get put in a position to choose life or death for their child. Because that's what it is. Because this mRNA based synthetic gene therapy is not a vaccine against a disease that you can fight against. It was sent to kill. And it is doing so today. Still, at an alarming rate, yet unless you are a diligent reader of periodicals and data, and information provided by the federal government, hospitals, and other agencies throughout the world, you would not know that death is still imminent with COVID-19. Let's continue. The Daily Signal dove into some of the uh, details of this no-vaccine, no-school policy. The Daily Signal reports that the District of Columbia does not appear, but according to the words of Mayor Browser, the District of Columbia does not have a contingency plan for unvaccinated students who are banned from attending schools in person this fall, 20 days, according to comments made by Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Browser this past Thursday. 
during the press conference near Browser, a Democrat who was democratically elected admitted there are no alternative options, including virtual learning, for students who cannot attend school due to the district vaccine mandate, meaning unvaccinated children will effectively be left without an education and should you not be in school, they will charge these parents with the truancy of a minor. Therefore, these parents who do not send their children into that poison factory called the public school system can go to jail for pandering to the malignancy of a mind. Think about that. Truancy is a crime that you can go to jail for. Detrimental hate behavior where a minor child is impacted as a crime. They can take your child, send you to jail. Over 40%, over 40%, close to 46 to 47%, of black children 12 to 17 are not vaccinated, according to the city's data. The Daily Signal asked Mayor Browser at that press conference what plan for unvaccinated students Washington, D.C. public schools start on Monday. What plans do you have in place? Her response, quote, they can go to school on Monday but they need to get their vaccinations. And their families will be alerted as to the date. Students get 20 days to provide their vaccination certificate. The Office of the State Superintendent of Education for D.C. announced that all students must have up-to-date immunization certification on file with the school within the first 20 days or they will not be allowed to attend school or school activities until these immunization certifications is secured by the school. The office continues. If the student does not come into compliance within a 20-day period, the school must remove the student from school until the immunization certification is secured by the school. When pressed on whether or not unvaccinated children would have to use virtual learning for their education, if they were not compliant with the vaccination mandate, Mayor Browder said, and I quote, we're not offering remote learning for children and families will need to comply with what is necessary to come to school. Updated data from the government's vaccine numbers website shows 47% of the black children in the district aged 12 to 15 
had not completed their primary vaccination series necessary to go back to school in person. Among black teens aged 16 to 17, that number is 42% unvaccinated. And in August 25th press release from the District of Columbia Public Schools website, it reads as, I, as follows, the Coronavirus Immunization of School Students and Early Childhood Workers Amendment Act of 2021, which the council passed in 2021, requires students aged 12 and older to be vaccinated against COVID-19 in order to attend school. The mandate also also applies to students attending D.C. private schools. In addition to the vaccination requirements, the release states that all students and staff will need to provide proof of a negative COVID-19 test result before the start of the 2022-23 school year. The Daily Signal reached out to Mayor Browser's office and the D.C. public schools for comment. But you know what happened. They did not immediately receive a response. This is not so mad science, and I'm your host for Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. We're going to take a brief break as you ponder and take in this information. So as I come and go with the storm, the night storm approaches.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Well, now, I use D.C. because that's the nation's capital. Because what they are able to manipulate and get away with there it will spread to Ma and Pa America tomorrow. But there are those who are fighting on your behalf, fighting vaccine disparities. The NAACP called for an expansion of the D.C. online learning option, which the mayor says, Mayor Browser, she will not do as D.C. got set to begin a school year with a COVID-19 gene therapy, actually, mandate for some students. They began school on the 29th yesterday. Some students, the mandate for some students, the D.C. branch of the NAACP, is calling on the D.C. public schools to expand their remote learning program to better accommodate unvaccinated students. The first day of classes was yesterday. The school district says students 12 and older must have their first dose by September 16th or they will not be allowed to attend classes or school activities. In a statement last Wednesday, the NAACP supports COVID-19 vaccine mandate, saying, yes, it's important to ensure the health of students, staff, and communities. But the NAACP warned that the mandate could disproportionately affect black attendance at school, and that could have ripple effects on school resources. Mandatory vaccinations may negatively impact attendance, and attendance impact school funding, resources, and student academic success. Now, we got to look at why they don't want to extend the online program and why they want to force a vaccination even though online there is no physical contact. They want you to get the vaccine anyway. Well, since this affects resources, The NAAC branch president, Akusa Ali, said in a statement, and I quote, a quality virtual learning program is necessary to keep students safe while ensuring existing achievement gaps are not exacerbated. 
though I don't agree with the NAACP's policy saying that the mandate should be followed, I do agree with them in wholeheartedly in the spirit and in fact that an online policy should be put in place that allows children to continue their education. As of last week, D.C. COVID-19 data says 100% of white children ages 12 to 15 have received their COVID shots, while 61% of black children in that same age group are vaccinated. The NAACP called on DCPS to provide options for students who can't or won't get vaccinated and adopt a whole harmless policy that would protect school funding from cuts related to enrollment decline. At the same time, the NAACP said the school children, the school system should reach out to unvaccinated households to combat vaccine hesitancy, meaning ask them why they're not getting vaccinated and then deal with that issue and hold them harmless for disagreeing with your viewpoint and not force what will become a legal issue later on down the road. Ali called vaccination critical to foster a safe, healthy educational environment. Adding, quote, this pandemic is not over. COVID-19 and its aggressive variants continue to ravage communities and the unvaccinated. Stop right there. It's not just ravaging communities and the unvaccinated. It is also killing the vaccinated. That says to me, vaccine or no vaccine, there's a problem. Because true data has shown and proven that the vaccinated are no more protected than the unvaccinated. Black families are impacted at disproportionate rates. This was written by Rick Massimo for WTOP News. WTOP. Now, If we jump over to the Children's Health Defense, the vaccine mandate for school children continues to threaten the American family. This week, 
this past week, I should say, on Good Morning CHD, two guest attorneys updated their viewers on related litigation as well as the process of removing unvaccinated children from their institutions. And they gave some insight to what role the viewers have in that continued fight for medical freedom. So there is a war being fought over this no-shot, no-school policy. Now, I am no advocate of Senator Rand Paul, Republican Senator from Kentucky. However, (laughs) he has provided me with many tools in exposing the idiocy, the sexless, imbecilic nature of those who come up with these policies. For more than a year, Mr. Rand Paul has advocated for a thorough investigation into the origins of COVID-19 and push for criminal investigation of Dr. Anthony Fauci, whose NIAID research facility at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China, where Mr. Paul suggested Dr. Fauci may have been involved in creating the virus. Though we know this not to be true, we do know that Dr. Fauci is at risk policies that have caused many deaths by promoting a policy and forcing a vaccine production process that is known to be and been found and proven to be ineffective but the cause of many deaths. Following up on a threat he made in mid-July of 2021, Rand Paul sent an official criminal referral on Dr. Fauci to the U.S. Department of Justice on July 26, 2021. Hold on a second, brother. I thought you said this show is called Not So Mad Science. Yes, it is. I'm dealing with the science, social, economic, viral, and biological to understand how we can fight a thing, we must know its sources. Therefore, to know the source of the poison, we must look at the social and psychological impact that brought these poisons into the public medium to be injected into your arm. So this is the meticulous research and discovery of material that allows the scientists to then grab hold of something and find truth. So, Mr. Paul,
Paul asked the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, to investigate Dr. Fauci for allegedly lying to Congress, said that the National Institute of Health has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China, when in fact it does and was funded through money directed by Dr. Anthony Fauci through the NIH. The week before he sent the official criminal referral, Senator Paul asked Fauci if he wanted to retract the statement he made to Congress during a May 11 hearing. Paul said, and I quote, Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract yours of May 11, where you claim the NIH never funded gain-of-function research and move on? Dr. Fauci replied, he would not retract his statement. Well, now, let's look up and see what gain-of-function research is. Fauci would not retract the statement and was adamant that he never lied to Congress. The term gain-of-function is sometimes applied narrowly to refer to research, which could enable a pandemic potential pathogen to replicate more quickly or cause more harm in humans or other closely related mammals. So, why we would need to go into gain-of-function research for pathogens that don't exist and conditions that don't exist should concern you as much as it concerns me. So that sounds like chemical and viral warfare. Fox News commentator Tucker, I'm a racist idiot Carlson. Yeah, I said it. Tucker, I'm a racist idiot Carlson a feckless imbecile, said on June 2nd of 2021 that evidence shows Fauci was implicated in the very pandemic he had been charged with fighting. Emails obtained by BuzzFeed via the Freedom of Information Act show that Fauci supported the grotesque and dangerous experiments that appeared to have made COVID possible, Tucker Carlson. These emails, which date back to the early winter of 2020, show Fauci was worried the public would think COVID-19 originated at the Wuhan lab. Why? Why would you worry? that it, it appeared that way. Could it be possibly because Mr. Fauci knew perfectly well 
He has funded gain-of-function experiments at that very same laboratory. Could it be? If it smells like doo-doo, it may very well be doo-doo. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck, then damn it, it's a duck. The emails show Fauci and other top virologists shared an article from Zero Hedge suggesting COVID-19 was a man-made bioweapon, despite it being a plausible explanation, according to Carlson. Zero Hedge was banned from social media. To quote uh, Tucker, I'm a racist asshole, Carlson, he said this, until recently, you were not allowed to suggest that COVID might be man-made. Why couldn't you suggest that? The fact checkers wouldn't allow it. So who fact checks the fact checkers? Why wouldn't they? Because Dr. Anthony Fauci assured the tech monopolies that the coronavirus could not have been man-made. Bam! Let's stop right there. The Honorable Mr. Louis Farrakhan at the coming of the coronavirus told us in February at Sabian Day 2020 that COVID-19 was not man-made, not manufactured by the made man. But it was a pestilence from heaven. Okay, let's continue. Because Fauci assured these tech monopolies that the coronavirus could not have been man-made, and so the tech monopolies shut down the topic. The NIAID, of which Fauci is the head of, for years, provided grants to the EcoHealth Alliance and other institutions to conduct gain-of-function research on coronaviruses. This was previously be reported by the Defender from the Children's Health Defense Newsletter. In March 2021, the Wuhan lab deleted mentions of its collaboration with the NIAID and the NIH and other American research partners from its website. Also deleted descriptions of gain-of-function experiments on the SARS, severe acute respiratory syndrome virus, according to Dr. Joseph Merkler. The NIH and the NIAID have funded gain-of-function research to the tune of at least $41.7 million, according to Dr. Merkler. 
up until 2014, this research was conducted by Ralph Barrick, B-A-R-I-C, at the University of North Carolina. After 2014, when federal funding of data function research was banned, the research was funneled to the Wuhan lab via the EcoHealth Alliance, which is directly funded by Dr. Anthony Fauci, NIH, and the NIAIA. Oh, H. To quote Dr. Merkel, in August of 2020, the NIAID, a five-year, $82 million investment in new global network of centers for research in emerging infectious diseases. What emerging infectious diseases? If they're emerging, that means you're making them. That sounds like germ and chemical warfare being manufactured by somebody. Okay, let's continue. These emerging infectious diseases that will conduct gain-of-function experiments to determine what genetic or other changes make animal pathogens capable of infecting humans. This is not so mad science, but I'm your hope. Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Can we continue to allow ourselves to be fooled, taken advantage of, and made stupid by not doing our homework and taking the sound advice and directed from trusted leadership that has not failed you in its language, its performance, and its duty. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan told us, but you did not heed the call. This latest bit of information I shared with you was provided through Dr. Suzanne Burdick, B-U-R-D-I-C-K. Ph.D. Ms. Burdick holds a Ph.D. in Communication Studies from the Texas, from the University of Texas at Austin, and a Master's degree in Communication and Leadership from Gonzaga University. Her scholarship has been published in Health Communication. And she has taught at various academic institutions in the United States and is fluent in Spanish. Once again, this is not so mad science. With your hopes, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Now, 
I mentioned earlier that we were going to look at some of the particulars surrounding this mRNA research, which is used to create this fiat, meaning fake, whole, meaning not real, F-A-U-S, fiat, F-A-F-I-A-T. And an exclusive interview with the defender done by Dr. Michael Nevradakis, Ph.D. His last name is spelled N-E-V-R-A-D-A-K-I-S, Nevradakis, Michael Nevradakis, Ph.D. He wrote, Dr. Malone, who helped develop mRNA technology used in COVID-19 vaccines, he's seeking a $50.35 million in compensatory and punitive damage from the Washington Post for alleged defamation. Why is this critical and important in our journey this evening? Because it was Dr. Malone who said as the primary uh, scientist behind the mRNA technology that it was never meant to be used for that and it is improper to put that into the human body. I'm going to say that again. He said... It was not meant for that and should not be used. Okay. Well, he's suing the Washington Post, Malone, who is an outspoken critic of the COVID-19 vaccine and its countermeasures, on August 19th, filed a lawsuit against the newspaper owned by who? Jeff Bezos in the U.S. District Court of the Western District of Virginia. Malone's defamation claims arise from a January 14th article by the Washington Post, quote, a vaccine scientist discredited claim has bolstered a movement of misinformation. Well, that's not true. The article published one day after the defeat, the mandates rallied their Washington, D.C. draws on Malone's speech at the event. Malone, Dr. Malone, is demanding a jury trial. In an exclusive interview with the defender, Malone discussed the lawsuit, claims made about him by mass media, and also the establishment's efforts to cipher so-called conspiracy theories and misinformation. Malone has discussed development around his Monday announcement by Dr. Fauci that he will retire from his government positions in December. Run, 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 but the show can't hide. Malone's lawsuit is 
describes him as an internationally recognized scientist and physician and the original inventor of mRNA vaccination as a technology, DNA vaccination. Say it again. mRNA vaccination as a technology, DNA vaccination, and multiple non-viral DNA, RNA, slash mRNA platform delivery technology. He's the inventor and founder of these processes. According to the complaint, he is the leading contributor to the mRNA science exploited by Pfizer and other pharmaceutical corporations to create these alleged vaccines for the novel coronavirus. The lawsuit alleges that the Washington Post falsely accused Dr. Malone of fraud, disinformation, dishonesty, deception, and lying to the American public, lack of integrity, immorality, and ethical impropriety. The gist of the article is that Dr. Malone is unfit to be a medical doctor and scientist and exposed Dr. Malone to public ridicule, scorn, contempt, and severely prejudiced Dr. Malone in his employment, according to the lawsuit. Dr. Malone told the defender that while multiple mainstream media outlets have made defamatory statements against me. Those published by the Washington Post were particularly egregious, resulting in the lawsuit. Quote, what we have done together with my attorneys is we went through and identified the most high-profile, egregious, defamatory statements in the major press outlets. Listing stories published by the New York Times, The Atlantic, Rolling Stone magazine or newspaper, and The Scientist, in addition to The Washington Post. Dr. Malone sent cease and desist letters to the publication, which he said were, and I quote, representational of the defamatory claims made against him in the mainstream media. According to Dr. Malone, all five outlets deny that there was any merit to our defamation and cease and desist requests. Deny, quote, any claims or liability for anything they published about him and decline to take any action such as retracting the articles in question or publishing corrections. Out of these, though, the stories published by the Washington Post were the most extreme example of defamation, Dr. Malone said. Dr. Malone told this to the sender. 
quote in the case of the Washington Post. They had made these statements regarding what I had said on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and then also the usual spreader of misinformation claims. They directly used terms like lying and statements about misinformation. They just made it so particular. They made it so that the particular case was the most clear and the most compelling. And that is why we decided to go with that one as the initial case. Dr. Malone also added, they never use the term disinformation. It's always misinformation. They rarely, if ever, identify what that misinformation constitutes. They just throw it out as a characterization. Mind you now, this is the man who invented the process by which these so-called vaccines have been produced but he's unqualified, not fit to be a doctor, unfit to be a scientist. Okay. According to Dr. Malone, the Washington Post took his remarks out of context, then refuted them with information that the CDC had published on their MMWR. For those who don't know what that is, Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report page, which is not peer-reviewed, which means it's not looked at by doctors or scientists. It's just a statement, but it's not a statement based in any kind of fact. And these newspapers and their feckless imbecilic processes went and did it any damn way. What the Washington Post did was called me a liar because the CDC had published just recently that the vaccines were still effective at reducing death and disease from the virus. And this has proven to not be true. So will the real liar stand the hell up? Oh, but he's running right now. Dr. Anthony Fauci. The lawsuit states that on June 7th, Malone served the Washington Post with written notice advising the Washington Post that the statements in the article were false and defamatory and demanding that the statements be retracted and or corrected and removed from the Internet, which the newspaper refused to do. Instead, according to the complaint, the Washington Post chose to increase Dr. Malone's damages by republishing the article. An action Dr. Malone, in his interview with the defendant, characterized as adding even more fuel to the fire. The lawsuit quotes verbatim several specific instances of alleged defamation in the Washington Post article, including look at a couple of bullet points here. Dr. Malone's claims have been discredited and his views constitute misinformation. Robert Malone stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial before thousands of anti-vaccine and anti-mandate demonstrators 
and repeated the falsehood that have guarded him legions of followers. Regarding the genetic COVID vaccine, the genetic COVID vaccine, the science is settled, Malone said in a 15-minute speech. They are not working. The misinformation came two days after the Center for Disease Control and Prevention released its first study. Malone claims and suggestions have been discredited and not only wrong, but also dangerous. There is a huge market for misinformation. The way he's framed in the conspiracy theory world is he's a courageous whistleblower rather than someone who is spreading misinformation. It's only enhancing his profile. While Malone is a brilliant scientist who has a tremendous amount of experience and knowledge about vaccines, there is reason to be concerned about how his newfound stardom could be a public health risk. The risk, they're the risk we're all facing when he's not accurately representing the information. On the Joe Rogan experience, he promoted an unfounded theory called mass formation psychosis, telling Rogan that a third of the population is basically being hypnotized into believing that the mainstream media and Anthony F. Fauci's report on the vaccine. Malone has weaponized bad research. With his increased profile in recent weeks, some are calling on him to take a step back and reflect on the damage his misinformation is causing. Based on these statements, Dr. Malone's lawsuit argues that the qualities of Washington Post disparaged. Dr. Malone's honesty, veracity, integrity, integrity, competence, judgment, morals, and ethics. As a licensed medical doctor and scientist, are particularly vaguely valuable to Dr. Malone and are absolutely necessary in the practice and profession of any medical doctor and scientist. Now, what I find exceptionally interesting about this is it is his work founded and perfected his science the mRNA techniques used by all these poison pushes that they're using to make the vaccine, the so-called vaccine, which is actually gene therapy. His work, but he's unfit. When he says that work that I did was not meant for this and is not good for what you're doing, now... We get the media crucifixion of Dr. Malone. In doing so, the lawsuit reads, the Washington Post was well aware of Dr. Malone's expertise and experience, intentionally ignored Dr. Malone's credentials and stature, and chose to impugn his standing in the medical and scientific community. Malone said the Washington Post's intentions were evident to him 
for the first time they reached out to him prior to publishing the article, referring to Timothy Bella, B-E-L-L-A, who authored the piece. Malone told the defender, there was something about the way this guy was approaching it and the fact that it was the Washington Post. I knew it was absolutely not going to be a friendly story. And so I said no. I was very careful not to say no in a way that would prejudice him. But I just said it wasn't going to be possible. Malone referred to a prior experience being contacted by a reporter for the Atlantic before they ran a story about him. An experience that showed him how journalists from such media outlets often attempt to mislead individuals like him when first approaching them for an interview. According to Malone, quote, what they do is they say, I just want to be your friend and put out your story. They made something to the effect that they acknowledge that I've been maligned in prior stories, and then they gain your confidence. It's really a confidence game. We use the term con I'm going to say straight out lying to trick, fool, and bamboozle you. And many of these journalists, in my opinion, they seek to gain one's confidence in this way. They really are con artists. That's how they play it. In those immortal words of our late brother, may Allah be pleased with him, Al-Haj Malik Al-Shabaz, Malcolm X, you've been had, you've been tricked, bamboozled. According to Malone, Mr. Bella reached out to a colleague of his, who Malone inferred is the same individual that made a negative comment in the Atlantic piece anonymously. The lawsuit addresses this, stating the Washington Post blindly relied upon and republished statements of sources that the Washington Post knew were unreliable, including sources known to be wildly based, excuse me, wildly biased, and to have an axe to grind against Dr. Malone and who were intent on ruining his reputation. The lawsuit also describes how the newspaper's president Stephen Hill got on the columny by tweeting in reference to Malone that a vaccine scientist discredited claims have bolstered a movement of misinformation. The lawsuit alleges Readers of the article and followers of the Washington Post on Twitter 
immediately understood the article's statement to convey the intended and endorsed defamatory gist and meaning that Dr. Malone is a disreputable medical professional and that he should lose his license and that he is dishonest and dangerous and that he spreads lies and misinformation and he engages in fraud and disinformation. Such claims, including the article's direct and powerful accusations of fraud and medical misinformation, are considered fighting words, which are actionable under Virginia law. The scope of potential damage to Malone's reputation is also estimated in the lawsuit, which states that in addition to publishing the article in print and on its website, the Washington Post and its agents conspicuously published the article to a third target audience, the 19,703,612 plus Twitter followers. In addition, the lawsuit states, and I quote, the article was republished millions of times in Virginia, the state where the lawsuit was filed, including by the Washington Post and its agents and followers, by Politico and its agents, by many others, most notably the Democratic Party opposite. Claims of political motivation on the part of the Washington Post figure prominently in the lawsuit, which alleges the Washington Post manufactured the storyline and coordinated the false narrative with the Biden administration and its agents and operatives with the specific purpose to target Dr. Malone. Why is Anthony Fauci stepping down? He made his money. And he knows what's coming. I'm going to say it again. He made his money. And he knows what's coming. Here's a man who said all this jackdaw stupid crap about the, the uh, what's the word? The efficacy of this vaccine. And he caught COVID anyway. So where's the efficacy in that? How many children under the age of 21 either die or have permanent medical malady because they took this damnable vaccine and now you want to pump three or four boosters into them? Oh, there is a God. And he will not allow you to continue, continue with your damnable act. Let's continue. In his interview, Dr. Malone highlighted the significance of this particular aspect of the lawsuit. And he says this, if this lawsuit is allowed to proceed, 
what we're likely to see come out of the discovery is further granularity about the interaction between the Washington Post and by extension another number of other corporate media outlets that are very aligned with the current administration and its political interests. If one can establish that these corporate media outlets were operating with direction and, in some cases, capitalization by the federal government, then we meet the criteria for those organizations acting as a surrogate for the federal government and suppressing free speech on behalf of the government. This would carry constitutional implications. The federal government cannot circumvent freedom of speech. First Amendment restrictions by employing surrogates such as the corporate press or big tech. What we observe is the remarkable alignment over time between the positions taken particularly by the Biden administration, but also going back to the Trump administration. So it transcends the so-called left and right of politics. This is not a left versus right issue. This is an administrative state issue. It's also part of a broader pattern, according to the lawsuit, which refers to the sheer number and nature of the hit pieces published by the Washington Post since 2020. According to the complaint, the Washington Post and its agents harbor an institutionally, or rather I should say an institutional hostility, hatred, extreme bias, and spite and ill will towards Dr. Malone and other medical professionals who speak the inconvenient truth about COVID-19 and the so-called vaccine. Once again, I hearken you all back to the words of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. This virus is a pestilence from heaven. And there is nothing you can do to stem its flow. There's nothing you can do to stave it off. It is here to do a job up to and until you get your mind right with God. It will continue. And I'm going to say it boldly. You think Ebola went away. It didn't. Right now, there's another outbreak of Ebola in the Congo. But Ebola made its way here to the United States. You think monkeypox just popped up for no reason? 
There's no direct vaccine for monkeypox. They're trying to use the HIV vaccine, which is not 100% effective to stem the tide of several things. They're looking for ways to circumvent the punishment of God. This cannot be done. You can't blame Dr. Malone for telling you that this fiat faux process of the mRNA vaccine that you're using to process a chemical to go into the veins of people to stop COVID works. There is no efficacy issue because there is no efficacy to it. You can't fight God. You can only stand down, bend your back, crunch your knees, and ask for forgiveness and a way out of trouble. Yes, the Washington Post and its agents harbor an intentional and instant and an institutional hostility, hatred, extreme bias, spite, and ill will towards Dr. Malone and the other medical professionals who speak the inconvenient truth about COVID-19 and the so-called vaccine. Doubling down on its claims, the Washington Post reprinted aspects of the story on several occasions, according to his lawsuit, including on July 30th, in an article that falsely repeated that Dr. Malone spread discredited information about the coronavirus vaccine. According to Malone, such republication, especially once a cease and desist letter has been received to the publication, constitutes clear evidence of malice. The lawsuit argues it also violates the republication rules upheld by the Virginia legal precedent in Weaver versus Beneficial Finance in 1957 and Moore versus Allied Chemicals in 1979. We're running out of time on this particular edition of Not-So-Mad Science. There's far too much here for me to let go of. Because as we set the case, and I'm following the pattern of setting the case and providing the evidentiary material needed, as my dear departed sister has done, Dr. Ava Muhammad, set the case. Provide the evidence. Explore the truth. Prove out that truth. Then give the evidence and the truth to the people to decide what they choose to do with that truth. Thank you for listening. I greet you in peace. And I give you the greeting. Right salam With the peace and blessings of Allah, I hope to be back next week to continue to move forward. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. But before I go, I need to say this about those out there who are hell-bent on saying 5G is the greatest thing in the world. Let me tell you what this 5G network is doing really quickly before we sign off with this couple of ticks of the clock that I've got left. 5G. 
relies primarily on the bandwidth of the millimeter wave, known to cause a painful burning sensation. It has also been linked to eye and heart problems, suppressed immune function, genetic damage, and fertility problems. The 5G network, you neo-maxi zundwebi Niedermeyer, the FCC, admits no 5G safety studies have been conducted or funded by the agency or any telecom industry, and that none are planned. The FCC has been captured by the telecom industry, which in turn have perfected the disinformation strategies employed by the tobacco industry before it to keep promoting cigarettes, to circumvent the Surgeon General warning that is on every package. Yeah, the Surgeon General is telling you that cigarettes cause cancer, but you damnable, feckless idiots are still buying cigarettes and smoking them or smoking some other kind of product to your lungs with carbon. It doesn't matter that it's reefer, you dummies. It still coats your lungs with a carbon-based material that impugns and blocks your ability to breathe. Persistent exposure to microwave frequencies like 5G, like those from the cell phone, can cause and will cause mitochondrial dysfunction and nuclear DNA damage from free radicals produced from peroxynitrates or nitrites. Excessive exposure to cell phones and Wi-Fi networks that are strictly 5G have been linked to chronic disease such as cardiac arrhythmias, anxiety, depression, autism, Alzheimer's, and infertility. With that, this is Not So Mad Science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Allah willing, I will be back next week, 6.30 p.m. on Tuesday. share with you those things in the world of science that you need to know. Because if you don't know, now you know. As I leave in the immortal words of Adam Clayton Powell Jr., our dear departed brother, he's a favorite.